0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Silence. Our Lord said to them, go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature.
1: Ferrera is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, and both of yes. you. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger.
0: All right, everybody. You were just listening to the trailer for Silence, And the story is as follows. Two 17th century Portuguese missionaries, Father Sebastian Rodriguez and Father Francisco Garupe, make a perilous journey to Japan to search for their missing teacher and mentor, Father Cristavo Ferreira, and minister to the Christian villagers they encounter, who are forced to worship in secret. It is starring Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, (laughs) some <laughs> this is where I my mispronunciation is gonna kill me. Tad An Obu Asano, uh, Syrian Hines, Liam Neeson, and Issi Ogata. It is directed by Martin Scorsese, written by him and also written by Jay Cox as well. Joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez.
1: Just gonna apologize in advance to everybody.
0: <laughs> well, maybe not necessarily everybody because this film has proven to be very divisive um it seems like this is ringing true with hardcore cinephiles uh unapologetic martin scorsese diehard fans but there definitely is a segment of people out there that are definitely not connecting with this film kristen i understand that you fall into that category so why don't you let us know what you think of silence
1: I did not like this at all. Um, I think that uh, the cinematography is beautiful. Rodrigo is is a beautiful cinematographer. I think that there is some lovely imagery, some lush cinematography. So I have nothing, no problems with the look of the film. Similarly, I think that when a lot of critics say that it's a transportive experience, I think that that's very true as well. It's very moody, it's very atmospheric. It's an experience, I think, but experience, I think, translates into chore. It's long, it's so long. And I don't necessarily have a problem with long. I love Titanic, Titanic's long too. And Ben-Hur is long. I mean, the 59 Ben-Hur is long. The problem is, is that you can see A lot of influences here that I knew from the get-go I was not going to like. A lot of people comparing this to Tree of Life. Terrence Malick, I hate Tree of Life, so I knew I wasn't going to like that. A lot of people have also been comparing it to, um, oh gosh, there's another director that's, they're getting a lot
0: Uh, of... Akira Kurosawa?
1: Yeah, I, I have no experience with Kurosawa's films. I'm sorry, I'm a classic film fan, but I am still firmly in like, English-speaking, so I have I have to work a lot of work there. Uh, in terms of the faith element, I am a lapsed Catholic. I was baptized, I went through Holy Communion, I understand what they're preaching, but I had a lot of questions about how the, the issues of faith are presented, particularly in a cultural setting that we're presented with. For me, this reminded me a lot of Unbroken. The Angelina Jolie movie, which I was very intrigued by the fact that I found a lot of comparisons both have uh Asian um antagonist opposite faith-based white guy um trying to break them down this talk of religion and I felt that those movies shared a lot of commonalities um and I also had an issue with the fact that we're dealing with White Portuguese. Um, Yeah, Newsflash, BVS, uh, Ben Affleck, I found the white Portuguese, and it's in this movie. Um, I had a lot of issues with that, and there's a mixed bag and a very vocal minority of people who agree with me that Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver playing Portuguese people, and they're, they're American and English, respectively, is a bit problematic. But overall, I thought it was beautiful, but it was a slog. I was bored for so... So long. Um, and I have not seen Kundun. I have not seen Last Temptation of Christ, which I want to see. So I don't have any background with Scorsese, the man of faith. Um, at least when he's talking about faith in depth. I, I think there's some great arguments about how he portrays faith in his mob movies. Um, but I, I just did not enjoy this.
0: Let me ask you a question. You agree that the film is well shot. Yes. All right. Do you... Do you agree that it's well-costumed, makeup, all production elements are all top-notch? Yes. So does all of your problems lie with A, pacing, and B, casting?
1: Pacing, casting, and script.
0: Now, let's... I want to dive into the script a little bit here, because I think the script is actually the film's strongest asset. So, what was it for you about the script that didn't work?
1: I understand that the intent is he's trying to create conflicting, you know, complex characters. So... There's no I think Scorsese's intent is that there's no right or wrong, that the the missionaries are just as flawed and one-sided in their methodology as the Japanese in certain elements. I think that's what he's intending. I don't think that comes off the same way, because there are scenes where, you know, the Inquisitor and, and Andrew Garfield's character having these deep debates about religion and the problem is, is that you're really feeling that the Japanese are the villains. At least the Japanese government are the villains. Because Isi Ogata is good, but he's so Hans Landa oily and yeah. so over-the-top evil with that lisping, like, wilt to his voice that I was asking my friend, and my friend actually agreed with me, I was like... Are we supposed to be like, thank God we bombed those assholes in the forties because they were doing horrific tortures to to their people? But I don't no. think that's how Scorsese was kind of trying to play
0: it. But I I, I think he's trying to play it like like the way Ridley Scott kind of plays both sides in Kingdom of Heaven. Have you seen Kingdom of Heaven? I
1: have. Uh, the director's cut's one of my favorite things.
0: Yeah, I, I think that he's trying to play it where you are hearing both sides of the argument and you're seeing yeah. it from both perspectives. And the film ultimately wants you to ask questions and it wants you to ponder, not just about um, their ideologies, but also wants you to question um, your own faith and your own beliefs as well. I mean, that's the thing about this film that I Really, really loved is that it challenged me, and I think some people are just not liking that. It's too much work for them. the The runtime, uh, the contemplativeness of the narrative, and the deliberate pacing, which causes you to ask such questions. I think people are not responding in kind to that. Where for me, I found that to be that trans uh, that transportive experience that you were speaking to earlier. Um, I thought Thelma Shoemaker, who I think is an amazing editor, um, her editing is not like something from Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas or anything like that, where the pacing is just whip fast. There's a lot of shots that linger on on the Japanese landscape or on Garfield's tortured eyes. And And we have to do this to understand the enormity of the story, which he is trying to tell. That is both epic in scope but also extremely personal at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's where your mileage varies based on your connection to how deeply you know the nature of missionary work um, and Mm -hmm. the nature of the history of Catholicism and its spread. And for me, I mean, I'm a lapsed Catholic purely for the fact that I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of issues with the nature of organized religion. yeah watching this, I was kind of thinking, I get that we have a very limited scope, but we're really given no indication that the Japanese, other than you know, that I think that because we live in a world now where we see so many faith-based films that are preaching to we're Christian and we're being persecuted. And I was like, if we didn't have that, would I feel differently? Because Catholic and Christian persecution did exist back in the 1700s. I mean, every religion has experienced persecution in its history.
0: It's and still happening today. It's still
1: happening today, exactly. But for me, especially the fact that they are, I know that these are white English men and Adam Driver's American, I felt that it was really hard for me to shake. They're poor white English people and an American who are being persecuted. Because of their faith, I felt no connection to that. Because a, I knew that they weren't fucking Portuguese, and I knew that they were. I think that that was my problem. And knowing that Scorsese changed the story from Italians to Portuguese specifically, I didn't feel the sense of oppression that he was trying to promote. Because I, it, they seemed to come off a little too perfect for me. Even though that there, there was Andrew Garfield experiencing doubt. It, it almost seems to exist in a world where. The, the Catholic missionaries and Catholic religions never done anything bad and I, I know again that's Scorsese's kind of he's trying to narrow in the focus but knowing the grander picture I just I didn't I didn't buy into it I don't know
0: so uh, here's what I can tell you I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of credit here my one and only <laughs> gripe with this film because I, I mean personally I, I think this is one of his masterpieces my only gripe with this film is if Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield are going to use these Portuguese accents.
1: Oh, God. We got to talk about that in a second. Yeah,
0: yeah which, which which are not good.
1: They're not They're, sustained. They're not good. They're not. No. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'll admit it was distracting for me at first initially. But I, this is a long movie and it, eventually you just kind of ease into it you know, and you just get used to it. But what was so distracting is that Liam Neeson
1: doesn't even bother. Doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he shows (laughs) up and he's just Scottish as the day is long. Yeah, well, and that's, that's a lot of well, critics... Well, he's, he's Irish, isn't he? Irish, excuse me. Yeah, Irish yeah. is the days... There's a brogue there. There's a brogue. Um, but but I think that a lot of critics actually sent me messages afterwards saying, thank you for bringing this up because we were afraid to say anything. Um, yeah, the, the accents were part of the reason that I felt that going with white English actors and, again, Adam Driver I know is American is, is a problem for me. I know that racially, people from Portugal, in the European times, were white. That's very true. Ethnically, though, they were not white. Which is kind of this fun thing that I think people are not really noticing. You know, it's easy to get a, you know, Emma Stone plays a one-eighth Asian person in Aloha. Racially, Asian people are white. (laughs) Ethnically, that is not the case and it's inappropriate and that was kind of my problem and i think for me knowing that i was watching an english person and an american person imitating if scorsese was content with it then he wouldn't have them do those stupid accents that was my thing and adam driver's accent especially is just so heavy-handed and then about an hour into the movie they just kind of drop it and that was what bothered me is i'm like you know they're they're emphasizing how being portuguese and that latin culture is part of so ingrained in their faith but these are two fucking white dudes like that was my big problem
0: so here's here's the deal all right and i think you and i both know the answer to this he casts andrew garfield and adam driver maybe partially because he thinks they're right for the part okay that's even, fine. even
1: though they did replace Gael Garcia Bernal and Benicio Del Toro when he originally wanted to make this.
0: Surely. But let's, uh, let, you know, and, and ideally those would have been better choices. But the flip side of this and the other part as to why they were probably cast is because they are two hot commodities right now in the studio probably had a say in who got cast in the leads of this film and who they could give top billing to. So...
1: Do we believe, though, that Martin Scorsese at this point in his career doesn't have an option of saying, hey? I mean, when he made Hugo, did anybody ask that he get a big name to play the the kid? No.
0: (laughs) Well, so, listen, in regards to that, I will say this. I don't know what the true story is. I, I really don't. And that's why I think half of it is he chose them. But then there's the other half of me that says you know, the studio might have had a say because this film is truly uh, a gamble and it's not paying off and they probably knew it wasn't going to pay off because the subject matter is too much. The the runtime, everything. It's not the type of film that does well at the box office. This is the type of film that, you know, gets a Criterion release one day and, you know, gets appreciated by uh, cinephiles 20 years from now. You know, this is not a film that right now, in this moment, people respond to in kind. This is a film that kind of gets rediscovered, in my opinion. So I think the studio knew that. And as a result, they probably, like I said, told, like, they had to have had a say in who he cast in this. Because if he had just cast unknowns in the the lead roles, like two unknown Portuguese actors, this film would be making less than what it's making now. You know what I, mean? I think it. I
1: think it does open an interesting. You know, we talk so much about whitewashing, and if anything, I think it'd be interesting to see how this discussion, which it seems like I'm the only one who is having this discussion, because I think a lot of people are afraid, especially in this day and age, to say it's a problem, even though the country is predominantly is again racially white, but not ethnically white. Um, I, I don't know, I thought it was interesting to bring up. I would say, racially, I am white. Ethnically, I am Hispanic. You know, where does that, where does that work out there? If, so, I mean, if anything, it's an interesting conversation that would be interesting to have going forward with trying to present a more diverse world in film. Um, I did want to throw out, too, um, I don't know if you noticed this, maybe because I'm a girl, um, there's a lot of suffering in this movie. <laughs> characters i I mean they're in these little villages in japan people are you know not wearing shoes and we see some horrors and adam driver and andrew garfield are like living in this little hut and they're you know living outside and they're going through all this stuff but damn it if their hair does not look farrah fawcett scrubbed and they have like amazing highlights it looks blown out it's more portuguese it's more brazilian than if they were actually playing brazilian portuguese people um I I don't know. That was the other thing. I was like, well, they're out in the woods, you know, in the jungles for like weeks, and not, their hair does not look greasy at all. Um, again, I'm that was sorry, just, but
0: you're nitpicking at that point. I
1: am nitpicking at that point. I just I noticed. I think it's after three hours. It was the only thing I could do to keep my sanity. Um, we did have walkouts. I will say, in my theater, we did get about six people who got up and left um, at a certain point during the movie. Um, but yeah, I, that was the, that was a big takeaway. Is that I was just. I didn't buy into what he was selling with, with white actors.
0: Now, what about what he was selling with the uh, Japanese actors? You know, you have uh, Yosuke uh, Kubo-Ozuka, who plays uh, Kichichiro, uh, um, and also uh, the translator, um, who was... I believe that was Tanada Obu Asano. I could be wrong on that, and Issyo Ogata. I mean, what, what did you think of all these guys here? Do you think they brought their A game and really helped to elevate the film?
1: I mentioned that that Issei Ogata, I think was a little too oily, and Hans Landa E um, to have much of an impact because you're just—he's a very mustache twirly villain. Um, but I did, I did like Kichiro. That storyline I thought was really interesting because I think that plays out. This concept that Scorsese he wants to play with of people can be religious and still do, you know, bad things. Um, his story
0: and in the end be forgiven too. Yes, which his, is
1: his story, which is, is amazing. A, is essentially if anybody's seen the others when the little girl is explaining, like I wouldn't have told them that I believed in God. I would have lied and said that I didn't, but then inside I did. Um, I I thought that was really really interesting. I liked that more than the story that we end up spending time with. Um, and I thought there was some good discussions between Andrew Garfield and the Inquisitor. Um, I think the second hour, especially once it becomes, he's in the, the prison camp and having to watch people suffer in his stead, it's very much a Christ allegory by the second second. And oh, third yeah, hour. and,
0: you know, it's interesting because... Um it makes for a very complex character because you think to yourself, what a selfish bastard, you know? It's like, just renounce your faith, save these people. And there is a conflict where you yourself start to um, have a a bit of conflict with Andrew Garfield's character. And it almost made me despise him. It really almost did. But there's there's a decision that is made uh, in the third act that transforms him into a hero and then i think that the final uh climax of this movie uh where there's this prolonged prolonged like epilogue that ends on a moment that to me i mean listen i, I can understand people would be like yeah we just spent 20 minutes to ultimately get what we knew what was coming but i thought it was extremely powerful uh personally i thought the final image was very very powerful i thought it made it all very much worth it and I also think that, in turn, I personally think, uh, despite what you think about his accent, I think this is Andrew Garfield's best performance he has given.
1: I thought he was fine. Um, I, I mean, I, Andrew Garfield, I, I think, is growing into a better actor, but he's just never really sold me on anything. Um, I think that he, he's good at carrying the emotion— and I think that he's got some great scenes opposite the the villagers. But mostly I think that a lot of his reactions to me are just kind of like he's in a constant state of crying. Um, but that's, that's me. I mean, I think he probably gives his most nuanced performance that I've, I've seen from him. It's a certain, it's definitely a step up from from the Spider-Man movies.
0: Oh, that's for sure. I mean, this coupled along with Hacksaw Ridge, I think Which that Which I still have had, not seen. Oh, come on. You know you know what's funny? I think you're going to have a problem with him in that movie as well, as far as his accent goes.
1: Uh, I have a lot there, of problems with that movie before I've even watched it. Yeah,
0: there are a lot of similarities um, between the two characters and uh, uh, the subject matter as well it's it's a very interesting year for him all around and i actually you know you mentioning the scenes between him and isi Ogata, um i also want to draw attention to a scene that he shares with liam neeson that i thought also brought up a lot more questions on their perceptions of their faith and how to live in this world and the idea of staying alive and what that ultimately means like to to That renouncing your faith isn't necessarily the end of the world, but, you know, I mean, it's one thing, I think, to possibly say it out loud, like, yep, I give up on religion, screw God, I'm done with it, may he strike me down, (laughs) but in your heart, um, to have faith and to have that connection with your God or whatever it is you, you know, worship, um, That's ultimately what the third act is trying to explain to us. And I found all of that to be very, very interesting, especially when you also consider how goddamn seriously people take religion nowadays. Yeah. I mean, to the point of murder, uh, terrorism, a lot of different things that it gets drawn out to, Uh, laws that are passed by our politicians to ultimately hurt certain people. Because they do not share the same religious beliefs. It's just completely ridiculous. And at the end of the day, all everybody just wants to do is live in peace. That's all everybody wants to do. And that's why I think the Kikichiro uh, character is, like we said before, so interesting. Because he just wants to live. He just wants to keep on going. And if he's got to lie, and if he's got to betray somebody, and if he's got to do this, that, and the other thing to do so, you know, he's going to do it. And then he's just going to ask for a forgiveness later. Now, is that necessarily the right thing, the wrong thing? I don't have the answers, but I love that Scorsese proposes the question.
1: For me, I think the most interesting discussion didn't really have a whole lot to do with the faith-based element, but it did bring up an, a thing that I was hoping somebody would tackle because it was really bothering me, was but the, the concept of how we bring religion to other countries mm-hmm. and Liam Neeson has a, a speech at a certain point where he says the son of God to the Japanese translates as the sun the literal sun in the sky yep. and Andrew Garfield is taken aback by the fact that the Japanese re- want pieces of, of the religion like they want his cross they, they're content with the beads from his rosary and they're revering them as holy objects and a lot of that has to do with cultural differences that most predominant first world cultures don't even bother to think of. You know that the Shinto religion in Japan reveres objects, um, or that you know the way that words translate in different countries. You know it's something that we see even now. If anybody's read Malcolm Gladwell's uh, the the Tipping Point, when they talk about how miscommunication can be frightening because most people don't assume how things translate um, to a detrimental effect. Um, So I thought that was, was really interesting, and it played a lot like how Andrew Garfield's, you know, mission ultimately comes off like how we promote the spread of democracy in certain countries, which is where I really just was kind of wondering if we were supposed to like Andrew Garfield's character or not, because his argument is and they, they use a lot of like plant metaphors and stuff um, that if the government just backed off and let people do what they want, the people want this religion. They really want it. If you just give it a chance, you know, we're doing a service to to this country by giving them something that they don't know they want. But they want it you know and that's what i think we use to justify democracy if you if people remember you know when the um war in iraq started you know the argument was these people want freedom they want democracy they don't know they want it because they only know one thing but if we get it there and you know we can we can start like integrating it no matter how hard people will like it so i thought at the end of the day i was sitting there thinking So Andrew Garfield's just no better than an imperialist at that point. Like, he's going into a country with the means of transforming it, whether they like it or not. I I think that that could have gone a little bit further because we only see him convert, you know, small... He's preaching to the converted, essentially, small villages that already believe in Christianity. But I was interested in the grander implications there.
0: I think that political tie that you just drew there with democracy is very, very interesting and one that I actually didn't really think of, although maybe subconsciously I did. I, I find that actually to be a very, very interesting take on the material, and I'm hoping that through this conversation that you and I are having, I'm, I'm like, hoping that maybe I'm getting you to appreciate <laughs> this, uh, you know, story a little bit more because of how much uh, inspiring conversation it is, you know, creating between the two of us right now. I mean, I think I think this is a film that can be debated and talked about and could lead to so much. And I find that to be its most rewarding aspect. Now, there are some things, like I was saying before, that can maybe push the envelope a little bit too much. Like there's actually a point where we hear the voice of God. And I <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know how people are necessarily going to take that, you know. I mean, Which I find, moments...
1: it, I find it funny that the voice of God is not listed on IMDb because I was really interested to see if it was a white actor or not. I can't find <laughs> it. I can't find it. So if anybody can tell me who voiced uh, Jesus and if they were white or not, I'd, I'd be very appreciative.
0: Um, the other thing, too, about this is, like, we get these uh, flash images of Jesus that appear on the screen. It's like a, It's like a painting picture. Um, but it actually fills up the entire frame at times. I, I found those moments to be very, very striking um, because it's literally it's, it's an image that fills up the entire frame and it just appears very, very large on the screen. I, I found those moments to be, uh, like I said, just very, very striking all, all around. I think there's a lot of different pieces to this film that will definitely have... Not only an emotional impact, but also a um, a spiritual one as well on people that will really, really connect with them. So even though the film asks some very tough questions, doesn't always give us the answers, um, it challenges us to talk about these subjects And as a result, maybe we will come to our own conclusions based upon that. I I really do feel that, you know, accents aside, that should not be what we take away from this movie. It really should be the amount of questions and thematic um, contemplation that Scorsese is giving us through this uh, screenplay. Obviously, it's something that has touched him for 30 years and has made him want to make this movie. And I can totally see why uh, when I saw the finished product. Is it perfect? Uh, I, I hesitate to say it's necessarily like perfect. I mean, I, I need to rewatch it again to know for sure necessarily. Because like I said, there's a couple of moments where like Thelma Schumacher does like these cross dissolve like editing moments that just didn't seem right to me and just felt out of place. But she always has some sort of a, like an editing um trick in every single one of Scorsese's films that always seems very odd and draws attention to itself it seems like but you know that's, that, that'd be an example of mean nitpicking also too um, I really did not like the fact that this movie did not have score that, that was something that kind of like upset me a bit at times I really really felt that this movie could have benefited from uh, a score that could have elicited more emotion from us now I don't know if that would have came off as manipulative, maybe, but I I feel that some for some people that find this movie to be cold and are not necessarily connecting with it, I wonder if a more fulfilling musical score could have done that.
1: I would say no. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's fair. I, I don't think that many, any of my criticisms. I wouldn't say it's cold, um, and I definitely don't think a score would have would have helped or hindered. Um, if anything, it just would have been expected. I think for me.
0: Okay. So with that said, let's toss it off to final thoughts. Grade out of 10 and any Oscar potential Kristen, take it away.
1: So overall, I don't think this is a movie that one's supposed to enjoy. So when I say I didn't enjoy it, I know that it's not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be consumed and analyzed and I would say criticized and critiqued um, for me. The accents and the whiteness uh, did bother me because so much of the movie wants to say that Garfield and Driver are just common men, driven by faith, driven by this desire to spread their word and help a man who is who has questioned his faith. And I think that by having, predominant you know the white the hegemony essentially the white male playing characters that aren't white even though scorsese tries his damnedest to cover that up i think that's a that's where the problems lie if he wanted to go balls out and just be like you know what these are these are white guys and they don't have accents and fuck you if you think that that's a problem I think that would have been owning it a bit more. You know, he, he tries to make concessions, which indicates to me that he knows it's going to be an issue. So, I mean, that, that colored my perspective a lot. But I think there's, again, beautiful imagery. You can This, for me, I think cinematography. It's gonna get a nod for cinematography. If it doesn't, then I don't know what will. Because I think that there is some beautiful imagery. And the Terrence Malick comparisons there are appropriate. There are some great individual scenes. And I love the storyline with, with Kichichiro, but I just was left uninspired by this. I, the pacing is, is questionable. The script left me with some questions. I think that the more well-versed you are in kind of like global history really will color it i'm a nerd you know i i will admit i am a nerd um who is read up on you know religion and the crusades and all of that so for me what i'm saying i'm sure is nitpicky to most people you know the average audience member is not going to know that you know i get that and that's why we are critics because (laughs) we think that our opinion uh matters but it only matters to us um so i would say cinematography and editing maybe um Trying to think of any other like tech cat. I think this is techs or bust. I just think that the movie is too divisive, too lengthy. You know, I would. I said that I think I understand why the Academy isn't going for this because nobody, unless they have a weekend, is going to be like, you know what? I'm going to devote the day to watching Silence. You know, it's not a movie that you can really pop in. You have to watch it, devote, take, carve out the time, and really think. And I don't think the average Academy voter is it got the time for that. Um, and I also think that the average Academy voter, with the way that religion is used in our country nowadays, is going to be really contemplative. Um, again, it's why I think that you know the current state of faith-based films kind of ruins this for you know kind of ruins Scorsese there because we hear Christianity and we're already like oh yeah. And even though the movie doesn't go that route. I think our expectations are already kind of fermented for us. So I think it's text or bust, editing and cinematography, overall rating, much like with Patriot's Day, I'm giving this a 6 out of 10.
0: All righty. Well, for me, um, it seems like for every decade that Martin Scorsese has been making films, he always finds a way to bring us uh, a masterpiece. In the 70s, it's Taxi Driver, 80s Raging Bull, 90s Goodfellas, 2000s Departed, I mean, that's debatable, because, but it's the film that won him as Oscar. And now I think with the 2010s, um, I, I really do believe that Silence is that film. It may not be apparent to many now, but I do believe that it is the kind of film that years from now, we're going to look back on and we're going to see this as a stamp on Martin Scorsese's filmography, because Faith has always been a theme in all of his oh, films, yeah. as you said before. And yeah. this is the film where he most confronts it and really brings it to the forefront of the narrative. So I could even see this I mean listen, I know he's gonna keep on making films, but let's just say if tomorrow, if he stopped making films, I think this would be an exclamation mark uh for his career and it would not be out of place, I believe. I think this would be a very, very high note to go out on. It does complete his uh faith based trilogy of films, uh, which Deliberate or not, um, that consists of Kundun and The Last Temptation of Christ. I think this is better than both of those. I think it stands tall with the best of uh, all of his efforts that he has given us. So from an acting perspective, storytelling, aesthetically, as you were saying before, it's a very, very challenging film, as I've said. And it's something that is going to be debated, analyzed, written about, and talked about for years to come. Um, It's very, very unscorsese-like. It's very, very unsquished as you like. You know, I mean, there's some elements that do retain itself, but very, very, very little. He is really channeling uh, Kurosawa, as we said before, or like Ingmar Bergman. Um, Terrence Malick, I mean, maybe just visually, but I don't really see the broken narrative structure that Terrence Malick employs here. I think there is more of a straight, uh, linear narrative to this film, but. I can see where that comparison does come into play. I do think that this is Andrew Garfield's best performance he has given us. I think SEO Ogata is a lot of fun. The other Japanese supporting actors are absolutely fantastic. Um, I do consider Adam Driver to be kind of the weak link here. I think his accent is even worse than uh, Garfield's, <laughs> and and I like the guy, but you know, I mean, he's not bad in this. It's just he does he just doesn't seem to. Uh, he, he doesn't hurt the material and he doesn't elevate the Adam material Adam
1: Driver I think gets the he's. they're going for the what is it uh, Leonardo DiCaprio bison liver narrative for him <laughs> you know where he lost all this weight and anytime I hear that I tend to roll my eyes wow a guy lost a significant amount of weight for an actress that's just a mandatory requirement so but it seems like he's. Go- they're going for that narrative there. like look at how he's transformed himself
0: Um, I think also two people might be put off by the potential violence in this movie. This is not a gory film. I was actually taken aback. I thought it was going to be more graphic and gory. Um, There is violence in this movie, and it is pretty horrifying at times. But it's nothing that's like straight out of Hostel or like a Saw movie. Um, Scorsese's made more violent films than this before. Definitely. So I, I would say, you know, Joe Pesci sticking somebody's head in a vice in casino is more violent than anything we get in this movie, personally. But there are some harrowing moments, for sure, and some scenes that will definitely, definitely stick a knife through your heart um, and will ultimately rip it out at the same time as well. I mean, there's some moments in this that are truly, truly heartbreaking, and I think a lot of that comes through in Andrew Garfield's performance here. So with that said... I believe Silence is an experience. Um, it's like it's a film that you don't necessarily enjoy, like you said before, but it is one that can be analyzed, pondered over, talked about with other people that appreciate good cinema, and could also potentially be life changing, as it doesn't, in my opinion, come off as obtrusive as some other faith based films uh, tend to do so a lot of the time. This is my only film for 2016 that gets a 10 out of 10 from me. And I know that that is going to be uh, debated amongst a lot of people, but I truthfully believe that when you get to 10 out of 10 territory, that this is masterpiece status, and that's what I consider this to be. As far as Oscar potential is concerned, uh, this is really, really tough. I mean, nominations now are in a couple of days. It's not performing all that well. Initially, I had said I thought this film could get in the picture, director... Uh, supporting actor screenplay cinematography production design costume design and film editing now pff, yeah no um this is a uh, costume design production design cinematography i think I, I think it gets in for those three but anything else above the line such as adapted screenplay director and picture of those three i think i i, I could see a day where it gets into screenplay and director Um, or just even director, but picture, I think, is out of the question at this point. I don't see many people putting this as their number one film of the year, because as you said before, Kristen, this is not a consensus film that people enjoy, so I don't see them putting it as number one. But I can see the director's branch possibly going for Scorsese and him getting a lone director nomination for this movie, because there is no denying that aesthetically this is a very, very, very well put together film. And people might want to reward that. So we'll see. Should be interesting. I don't think the film's going to get zero nominations. I think at least Rodrigo Prieto will definitely get in for cinematography. And some people say he stands a chance to win. I don't think so. Uh, But we'll see. We will definitely see for sure. Alrighty. So with that said, Kristen, where can they find you on the Internet?
1: As always, I am at journeys underscore film
0: and you can find me at next best picture guys thank you so much for listening to the next best picture podcast where you can subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes google play TuneIn, stitcher and player fm please be sure to leave us a review on itunes we would most greatly appreciate it thank you so much for listening and we will see you all next time